Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. And I've been sharing with you a scripture, Isaiah 54, throw it on the screen. I believe this is the word of the Lord uh, for the people of God in this season that, that we should walk. How many of you guys know we should live with divine expectation? That we should walk with faith, not just believe in what we see, but believe even if we haven't seen it, God is still able. But this is what Isaiah 54 declares. It declares this. It says, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope, drive your tent pegs deep. You are going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. Is anybody thankful you're a part of a growing family here at Maker's Church? Listen, I know it's snug in here. I know we've got 75,000 kids to my left right now. We're going back to two services at the beginning of the year, so just hang in there, hug people, love them, and we'll be fine. But I'm thankful for a growing family in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for what God is doing. But he tells us this. He said, you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. He said, you're going to take over whole nations. How many of you guys know Jesus said, make disciples of the nations? Not just of people, but the nations. He said, you're going to take over whole nations. You're going to, you're going to resettle abandoned cities. How many of you guys know so many cities have abandoned the culture of the kingdom? We get to resettle. We get to bring the culture of the kingdom back to places that have walked away from God. And he said, don't you dare be afraid. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I believe, I believe fear is taking its best shot in the hearts of so many people right now. Fear is taking its best shot in so many, whether it's your job or your family or your health, fear is doing everything it can to paralyze you. But you hear me today, the perfect love of God cast out all fear. The perfect love of God cast out all fear. So that is the word of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Somebody declare, I am not afraid. Pastor, I lost my job because I wouldn't take the vaccination. God's got a better job waiting for you, sweetheart. Pastor, I'm worried about my health because someone's sick. Declare the promises of God. He is your healer. Pastor, my, my son or daughter don't walk with the Lord. I believe that prodigals are coming home in this season in Jesus' name. I believe those things. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to be afraid. Why? Because God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So listen to me. If God has anointed you, which he has, your anointing is greater than anxiety. And your anointing is greater than worry and fear. Because it is the anointing of God that will break the yoke of fear, not just in your life, but over others in Jesus' name. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And look what he says. He says, don't be afraid. He said, you're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You are not going to come up short. I will tell you something. With everything I believe God's called us to do as a church in this city, there are lots of big vision things the Lord keeps speaking to our leadership about. But I will tell you something. I refuse to be afraid because I know God's not here to embarrass anybody. And I refuse to be worried because I know something. If God is in it, we're not coming up short, but we will do exceedingly abundantly above that that we could even ask or think. 
And you need to have that same confidence in your life as a believer. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be embarrassed. You don't need to be worried. You need to trust God and move with faith in every part of your life. If you believe that, somebody say amen. But I hear God clearly, so clearly in this season saying make room. And we've been in, this, I think this is, like, this is like part 44 of our series, Make Room, that we've had. I'm just kidding, it's part seven. Stop laughing that hard. It's part seven. But there were three things the Lord told me specifically that we had to make room for in this season. We had to make room for God's presence. How many of you guys are thankful you're part of a place to make room for the presence of God? Listen to me. All of this is, is foolishness without the presence of God. All of this is religion without the presence of God. But we have no interest in religion. We have interest in seeing the kingdom advance in Jesus' name. And so he said, make room for his presence and then make room for his plans. How many of you guys know God has better plans than you do? God has, listen, God has complete plans. He's the God that does the end from the beginning. God has complete plans for your life that we need to make room for. And then finally, we have to be making room for the priorities of God in our lives. The priorities of God, and we've been sitting on the priorities. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about priorities. One of those priorities has been that we have to fight for our sons and daughters in this season. We have to fight for our children, fight for our families. Last week, we said we have to make the priority of being spirit-led. I will tell you right now, in the month of December, we're going to be talking about the priority of understanding that the New Testament church must operate with the five-fold ministry active in the church. We're, and, and listen, during Christmas season, we're going to be talking about gifts, but not just Jesus, but the gifts that he gave the church so we can operate with power and authority. So get ready because we're going to learn a lot in December in Jesus' name. But today I want to talk about this because I believe that, that the priority that God is trying to get us to understand, because I believe it, it, is, it, is a, it is a sickness, it is a plague that has attached itself, particularly to the church in America, and it's this is that we must make the priority to be missionally minded again. I told you, this is a challenging word, and please hear me today. I love you so much. It is the joy of our lives to be a part of what God is doing. But I believe God is speaking so clearly, and I'm not here to do you something, do you a favor and make you feel good. I'm here to make sure you know what God is saying right now to you. God says we need to be missional minded again. We need to let that be the priority. I'll just go ahead. I don't even know where my notes are. I'll just jump where I want to. It's my sermon. <laughs> What's happened in our society is that the church is no longer missional minded. The church is me minded. And for years, because there were spiritual voices that were teaching a me-centered gospel and teaching a possession-driven gospel, and teaching a gospel that centered around the individual and how you felt. And I, listen, I, I'm all for helping people and coaching people. But the church fell into this trap. And we just want to talk about self-help and seven ways to success and all of those things. Listen, God will take care of those things. He says, if you'll seek the kingdom, he said, I'll take care of everything else. But we, we, have, we have allowed ourselves, the church at large, not all churches, I don't believe it's happening here, but we have allowed ourselves to slip not into a missional mindset, but a me mindset that is focused on, on what God can do for us. And if God's not doing what we think he should be doing, then God has failed. How many of you guys know that is not true? God is not a you first God. God is a kingdom first God. 
And I've made a statement for years, and I'm going to keep making it. How many of you guys are thankful that the kingdom of God is for you? It's for everybody. But listen to me. While the kingdom of God is for you, it is certainly not about you. It's for you, but it is not about you. It is about the king. Come on, somebody. I said last week, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Jesus has not voted on every four years. It is a theocracy, and he rules and reigns, and he will not be removed. But I'm telling you, there's something that, that I believe God is trying to shift in churches. When I talk to other kingdom leaders now, and I see what God is doing, and the manifestation of his glory and presence in the earth, he is trying to get the church to understand we must be missional-minded again. We must be understanding that our God, how many of you guys know God is a missional God? God is a missional God, and he designed the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, that we should have a missional mentality in how we live our lives. Now, I've got Bibles, so don't think I'm just going off the cuff here. Let's talk for a minute. Look to your neighbor and say, get a missional mindset. Missional mindset. That we've got to prioritize being missional-minded. Why? Because God has a mission for you and I. Listen, the church doesn't have a mission. God has a mission for the church. God has a mission for the church. Now, now, now I told you, God is a missional God. I'll show it to you. John chapter 3, verse 17. This is, what the, this is what the word says. It says, God sent his son. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He sent Jesus, how many guys, he sent Jesus on a mission. Thank God Jesus said yes to the mission. He sent Jesus, and then we find not only that, that but then we see Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. We see more of Jesus' mission, where he said, Jesus said this, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Is anyone thankful that Jesus fulfilled his mission, and he set captives free. He gave sight to the blind. He proclaimed the year of the Lord that we can walk in the favor and the goodness in the kingdom of God even right now. God is missional. But you can even go deeper and find that, that, that God, he, then the Father, then he sent Holy Spirit to the earth with a mission to lead us into all truth. Look at, I think it's John, is it John 14 or John 16? Let me look. John 14. But when the Father sends the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And I'm telling you today, church, the mission is no different for the sons and daughters of God on the earth. When you stepped into the kingdom, you said yes to a mission. You said yes to an assignment. Some might say assignment. You have a heavenly assignment on your life on the earth. And what's interesting is, is it's just like Jesus was sent into the world. Here's what Jesus said in John 17, 18. He's praying. He said, Father, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them. Who's them? Very good. That is us. Them is us. He said, just like you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. So notice something, church. We have been commissioned by the Lord, and we have been placed here on the earth, not just to make money, not just to make trouble, not just to make something for ourselves or build our own kingdom. We have been commissioned by God to go into the world and make disciples and make a difference. 
That is our assignment. That is our heavenly mission. Somebody say, that's my mission. That's not just my mission. That's not just an evangelist mission. That's not even the role of people that are in international missions. Sometimes I think when we have mission Sundays, we're like, oh, well, thank God someone's advancing the kingdom. Thank thank God that someone is saying yes to the mission because that's not my job. Oh, yes, it is. Hear me today. You may not be called to another nation to serve in that capacity, but you are called to your neighborhood. You're called to your neighbor. You, You may not be called to some of these places, but you are called to your community and to the city in which God has you to make disciples and make a difference. If you believe that, somebody say amen. So we have to see this, that we have a mission from God. We have been commissioned to do that. Let me show you Matthew 28. Most of you know this text. Jesus declared it. He said, therefore go. Somebody say go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. That's our assignment that's our mission. Then you, I go further, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are the chosen ones. How many of you guys are thankful Jesus chose you before you chose him? He said at John 15, he said, I chose you long before you chose me. He said, you are the chosen ones, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for who? Speak out for him. Speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. God is a missional God. And God has you and me on a mission, on assignment. But listen, we have got to prioritize again being missional minded. We have got to prioritize in our hearts. Stop saying it's someone else's responsibility. Stop saying it's someone else's job. If you're a blood-bought, blood-bought, washed believer in the kingdom, it is your responsibility to make disciples and make a difference. But we can't be me-minded and missional-minded at the same time. They won't coexist. Let me go further. What I found is that a lot of people now in this season, you're mindful of your mission, but you're not missionally minded. How many of you guys know there's a difference between what I just said? If you're mindful of something, it means you're aware of it. And there's a lot of people that are aware of the mission that God has for us, but they're not doing anything about it. They're aware of it, but they're still letting someone else do it. I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus did not die and get the keys of death, hell, and the grave so we could be mindful of what he's called us to do. Jesus got up from the grave so we could be a part of the great co-mission. Co-mission. Everybody say co-mission. So it was his mission, and then he said, tag, you're in. Co-mission. Why? Because you saw it in John 17. He said, Father, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And so we cannot get to a place, church, 
in our spiritual walk, our relationship with God, that we are only mindful of the mission. Why? Because we have to understand it's not just enough to be aware. We have to be active. We have to be active. See, if you're mindful, you're aware. But if you're missional-minded, that means that you are practicing the principles that you are aware of. You're practicing the principles that you are aware of. So hear me. You have not been anointed by God to be mindful of the Great Commission. You have been anointed by God to be active for the Great Commission in the earth. If you believe that, somebody say amen. How many of you guys are thankful that God has a mission for your life? I, I, listen, I don't, I don't know about you, but all the folks that I see wandering around aimlessly in the earth, man, my heart goes out to them because they don't know what their purpose is. They don't know why they're even here. I know why I'm here. I'm called to make disciples and make a difference. I'm called to be a light in the darkness. I'm called to carry freedom, love, joy, hope, and peace wherever I go to see the kingdom of darkness be pushed back so the kingdom of light can be established. But listen, that's not just my calling. That's your calling. Somebody say, that's my mission. That's your mission. That's your mission. Let, can, can I keep going deeper for a minute? Everybody with me still? Everybody, anybody hungry? Say no. Yes, here we go. You're not hungry. Jesus is the bread of life. You're fine. Come on. <laughs> but we've got to make room for the priority of being missional-minded. Because I'm telling you something, the God-given mission for our lives and for this house is not just to be heard, but it's to be done. It's not just to be memorized or memorialized, it's to be done. It's to be done. Well, what did James 1.22 say? He says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. He said, because if you're only hearers, he said, you are deceived. How many of you guys know one of the names of Satan is he is the great deceiver? He's been deceiving so many believers, people that actually love Jesus, into thinking that it's not their mission. But it's our mission together, the body of Christ together, to make disciples and make a difference. It's our mission together to make disciples. Somebody say make disciples and make a difference. The Great Commission, we know about it. Jesus even said in Matthew 9, he talked about this harvest of lost souls. How many of you guys know you don't reap a harvest by hearing, you reap a harvest by doing? You reap a harvest by doing. And so we, what, what's really happened, if we're super honest right now, if we're super real, let's get, let's get real. Let your neighbor say, we're getting real. If you're online, we're getting real. We love you, we're getting real. For many believers, the Great Commission has turned into the Great Suggestion. The Great Commission has turned into the Great Suggestion. And for a lot of churches, the Great Commission has turned into the Great Omission. Because we've been more concerned about putting money in our bank account and putting people in seats and making sure everyone's happy than equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and sending them into the societal influences of the world to make disciples and make a difference. I'm going to go ahead and let you know a secret. This church is not going to call it the great omission. This church is not saying it's the great suggestion. Maker's Church has been anointed and with a mission from heaven that we're going to make disciples and we're going to make a difference and we're going to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. We're going to walk in power and authority. And listen, we're not just going to do it here. We're going to go into the world. We're going to go into cities. We're going to go into mountains of influence. Some of you are called into business, not just 
just to make money, but to make disciples and make a difference. Some of you have been called into government or education. You've been called into arts or media, entertainment. God has sent you there, not just for you to be known, but you can make the name of Jesus famous. And you can lead people to the kingdom simply because you know that you have to be missional minded. That's the reality. Come on, sir. Woo! I don't need any more of that, but I'll take it. How do you guys know we've been called for greatness? Not for mediocrity. Not, not just to, 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 to come to church to ease our conscience for how we live. God's got something for us. He's got a mission that all of us are supposed to be walking out in the earth. How many of you guys remember my series we did on the seven mountains? The mountains of society. We're going to talk more about that. I can tell you, even the fivefold and the mountains of influence are connected together. It's beautiful. We're going to unpack that more in 2022. But listen to me. Some of you say, well, I feel like I'm called into this mountain to do great things. Listen to me. Why would God send you into a mountain of influence to stand before the kings of this world if you're afraid to tell your neighbor about Jesus? Why would he open a door for you to have a conversation like that when you're afraid to invite somebody to church because they might think you're weird because you love Jesus? It blows me away that we can think as, as believers that God is going to keep elevating people that have no boldness. Oh, is it just me? Okay. God wants to use you for those things. He wants to send you into those places. He would love to let you be in those mountains and you be influential in making disciples and making a difference. But I need you to hear me today. Until you stop making excuses, you're not going to make disciples. Until you stop making excuses, you're really not going to make a difference. So let me ask you a question. Do you want a life filled with the kingdom or a life filled with excuses? Because the reality is you get one chance. You get one life on this earth. And if I'm just honest with you, why would we squeak our way into heaven when we could come walking in knowing that every purpose and assignment God had was pressed out of our lives because we kept saying yes to the mission. We kept saying yes to everything God has called us to do. Listen, church, we must be committed to saying we are people that are on a mission and we are not going to be me-minded, we're not going to be maintenance-minded, and we are not going to just be mindful, but we are going to be committed to being a missional-driven church, a missional-minded people, and we will see the kingdom of God overtake the kingdoms of the world in Jesus' name. Man, if you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise, man. Man, as a kingdom leader, I, I believe that as an apostolic leader right now in the kingdom, it pains me to know that this, this message is not being preached in every church. And so many people are still walking blind to the mission of God. But you know, even the Bible says, to him that knows to do right and doesn't do it, it is what? <sighs> Hear me today. 
The Lord is trying to awaken us from the inside out. Because there are people every day. Did you know, I just found a, sur a survey this week in preparation, done in 2020, that over, over one in four Americans either profess, either profess no religious affiliation at all or have another religious affiliation outside of Christianity. 30% of our nation. 30%. So that means tomorrow when you go out to wherever you're going, chances are one in four people that you'll run into know nothing about Jesus. Don't have relationship with him at all. How many of you guys know what Jesus said in Luke about the harvest? He said the, he said, he said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Now, I've told you this before, and I'll never forget. Two years ago, the Lord interrupted me and told me something that is still relevant to this day. The laborers are not few in number, but they are few in focus. They are few in focus. There's not a shortage of people that love Jesus on the earth. There's a lot. There are billions of people that, I guess billions, I've I got to look at that statistic, so don't quote me. Where's my backup music when I say that? Come on. <laughs> there are hundreds of millions of people that profess Jesus as their Savior. Hundreds of millions of people that profess Jesus as your Savior, but they're not even focused on the harvest that is a part of our mission. How is that? In all sincerity, I, know, I saw another statistic from a book I've been reading that is mind-boggling. It said 95% of Christians have never even led another person to the Lord. Well, pastor, that's not my job, that's your job. Oh no. Oh no. That makes Ephesians 4 a lie. Because that's why we have to talk about the fivefold because that says that we should equip every saint for the work of the ministry. So that means whether you have a pulpit in a building or not, your pulpit is your life. Your pulpit is your life that you live every day. Because the truth is, is that if we're not focused on the harvest and on our mission, you know what we are focused on? ourselves. Come on, am I, am I preaching the truth? If we're not focused on the kingdom, you're focused on your kingdom. And your kingdom's not going to last. Because it's not made with the things of God, it's made with the things of this world. And we have to make a decision. The, the Lord is so clear that we must be people that prioritize again being missional minded. So straight up, have you ever been missional minded? Have you been missional minded before, but you got deceived? You got me minded? I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that, 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 that you're so terrible. It happens to a lot of people. But I will tell you in those moments, if you recognize that things are not where they should be, that is not the time for you to say, well, maybe another time. This is the moments that we repent and say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, God, for not being mindful and then missional minded of what you've called us to do. How many of you guys know that, that that harvest of souls I was talking about? 
that harvest, they're not happy. They're hurting. They're not living their best life. But they're living broken and bound lives. And they're everywhere. There are so many people that represent that harvest. I'm going to tell you, did you know this? Of that 30% of people that do not profess Jesus whatsoever, do you know the highest demographic is ages 18 to 29? You want to know why? There's two reasons. Number one, their parents stopped being missional-minded. And they started living me-minded. Number two, Satan is always after sons and daughters. We've got like 60-something kids right there to our left today. That's a lot of kids. Higher than that. How big, Pastor Brad? 74. Come on, give the Lord praise. Thank God for popcorn and grapes. That's keeping them afloat. Listen, I refuse to let my son or daughter be a statistic. But it's up to the people that are leading right now to say, I'm going I'm to be me-minded or I'm going to be missional-minded. Not just in the world, but in, in my own home. The harvest is full. It's full of people that are hurting and broken. And God said, Jesus said, he said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send you into the harvest. To be someone who is missional minded again. That it's not just about you, but it's about advancing the kingdom of God. You know, a lot of you guys know our mission statement. Our, our vision, make disciples, make a difference. Our mission is discover identity, develop purpose, and deploy as leaders. Those first two stages are critical. You gotta discover who you are in Christ. And you gotta develop everything God is doing in you. But a lot of believers, they, get, they fall short of actually being deployed into the world. And I wanna tell you something. That deployment stage is the stage where true kingdom advancement actually happens. Being deployed into the world, saying, Jesus, eject me into the mission. Eject me into the harvest. That's where we need to be on a consistent basis because so many people around us, not everywhere else, not on the West Coast, not around other nations, right where we live, people are dying. They're going to hell. And they've hardly ever had anybody ever tell them, not just about American Jesus, but about King Jesus. And the truth of what it means to be a son or daughter in the kingdom of God, to know that everything the Father has is yours. The church, we need to be a people that say, God, I'm gonna make it a priority in this new season to be missional-minded. God, I'm gonna make it a priority to not be 
shy about my faith, but be bold about my faith. Not just in my words, but in my actions. Because we have a mission to make disciples and make a difference. You've been invited. The question really is, will you say yes? Will you say yes? Because I'm gonna tell you something. When you say yes to being a part of the mission of God, you will be amazed at everything that God does in you and God does through you for the kingdom. If you believe that, somebody say amen.